right, so here we are. And uh, I am very pleased to bring another podcast to you. It's been a bit. It's been a minute. And here we are with a couple of guests. If you listened to the last podcast, you obviously had a chance to hear me discuss Training the Dark Side with Blue Benedum. I have him back. And I also have his wife with us, Cassidy. Cassidy, say hello. Hello. <laughs> what a seductive voice. <laughs> That's Cassidy. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I uh, was having a conversation with Blue just uh, day before yesterday, I think, getting back from Tennessee. And he reminded me that they're doing the Speed Project once again which is a little brainchild that Blue came up with some years back, which entails, ready for this? Running from Los Angeles to Las Vegas as quickly as you possibly can. Basically a relay, and I believe there's some solos, am I correct? Am yeah, I this year I think there's five lunatics going solo, 300 plus miles across the desert. Yeah, all right. And so the cool thing about this event is that there's virtually no rules. You get from the start, you get to Las Vegas, however you get there, whatever path you decide to take, that's on you. So today, actually, to, is it today, Cassidy? It'll be tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. All right, so 4 a.m. in the morning, the girls are going to go. I'm going to let you tell it. T tell us what's going on tomorrow. All right. Uh, so this year, there are 30 teams from around the world, co-ed, different sizes of teams. Um, but I have two teams from my women's group, um, two teams of nine, and we are starting at 4 a.m. And we will be running continuously until we reach Las Vegas, probably early Sunday morning. And as I understand it, that's going to end up being about 307 miles. Yeah, about that. Unless we get lost. And then it'll be 452 miles. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope not. So you've done this before. And what I understand, just looking at my notes here, and I'm cheating. But in 2019, with a team of five, you set the women's record of 37 hours and change. Yeah, we had a team of six, so five other women. And um, yeah, we, we set the record. We hold the record. I don't know if it will be broken this year. Um, it was slightly cooler conditions in 2019, and this year it's looking to be around 100 or 105 for most of the race, which I think will slow people down quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we have the record. Wow. Now, I understand that, like you suggested earlier, that there's no rules involved. So if you decide one girl's going to run for five miles, then the next girl's going to run for two, and the next girl's going to run for 20, that's just the way you guys decide to... to to lay it out there, right? Yeah, the strategy is entirely on the teams. Um, the only rule really of the speed project is to not do anything illegal, so no running on highways or uh, freeways, freeways, freeways yeah. I should say. Um, so when we ran the record, uh, our strategy was mostly shorter intervals, so we, we stuck to mostly 2Ks and 1Ks for the majority of the race. Ah, I probably read this wrong in the notes. No, you said here, yeah, that's probably about right. Five-minute intervals... Uh, is what you were suggesting would be like the game plan. And then, am I right? Is, am, yeah. So okay. for our teams, our teams this year, tomorrow, um, we'll be doing time-based intervals because 
the women on our team are all different paces, so we felt this was the way to kind of be the great leveler so everyone was contributing equally. Um, so we're doing five and ten minute intervals for the majority of the race, but there will be periods that are inaccessible by support vehicle. So we'll have about 50 miles in the middle where women will do between four and nine mile stints on trail. And so being the geek that I am, I started to do the math to try to figure out how many miles each of you might run. And uh, I'm assuming that's going to be about 30 miles each, correct? It will be weighted towards the people who have been training with slightly higher mileage. Uh, so those women will likely do between 50 and 60 miles. And then women who have been doing a little bit less will probably end up doing closer to 20 to 30 miles. And my guess is you're going to be one of those that are going to do more like 50. Like 80 <laughs> I, or 100. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm setting my mileage goal to uh, maybe 70 to 80 miles. Oh, you know, this is really kind of interesting because I have a lot of friends on the East Coast and they were just recently posting that they're doing a 100 miler trail race, I think this weekend. And uh, they don't even know about this. And I could just, they're going to hear this and they're going to go, oh, you know, maybe we should go to California and then maybe next year we'll all get together. There's about uh, five women that hang out with each other and they're, you know, they're doing these long you know, they're trying to do these ultras. And I think this would be fun, especially because I know when they get to Vegas, they're going to put a dent in that town. <laughs> and that's really the goal of the whole race is to get to the pool party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a good incentive. Yeah. 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 Well, I, uh, I don't think I've ever got to Vegas on foot. Well, no time like the present, Richard. Yeah. What, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. You know, if I get to the end of the street on my own power, I'm jumping in the back of the truck. And, you know, then I'm just going to be a cheerleader the rest of the way. All you need is five other or, you know, however many other teammates that you want. And, yeah, all you got to do is run once and you've officially done the speed project. <laughs> so you say there's 30 teams from everywhere? The most, um, before COVID, it was averaging about 40 to 45 teams per year um, that represented roughly 20 countries um, each time. So it's a very international race. It, it attracts a lot of, yeah, just really awesome, uh, unique, eclectic individuals. <laughs> I'll bet. So, yeah. um, is there some fashion of reward to get there first? Yep, and it's called uh, um, bragging rights. Ah. Sorry. Glory, honor. <laughs> Do it for the glory. Honor. There, there is one. There is one secret um, sort of thing that we do where everybody puts money in a pot and you get. To, I placed my bet yesterday. Yeah, you basically like you guess the fastest finishing time, and you write that number on the dollar or dollar bill, five dollar bill, whatever you want to put in the pot. It all goes in one pot, and then at the end of the race, we look at every single one of those bills, and whoever had the closest guess gets the whole pot. But they have to take it all down to the roulette table and bet everything on either black or red. And that, so it's this big thing because everybody from the race comes down and you're looking at this big pot of cash and it's like, it's either they're going to double it or they're going to lose it all. And it's, that's the one thing. So it's a really exciting time. <laughs> and what casino does this happen in? At the win. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. That's the official, official, non-official <laughs> pool party and uh, casino. So what kind of cash does it look like? You think? 
I don't know. I, it's I mean, always so different. The, I mean, the side bet's five dollars. Five dollars a bet. That's right. You can you can bet as least. many times as you want. Yeah, yeah. You can like re yeah because you you wrote it on the, the bill. So if you change your mind, you just well, have to like it's add Venmo. Another. Oh, they're Venmoing now. We're, okay, we're, we're going paperless this year. This year. We're, we're Venmoing. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So you just write down. You know, if you put like. Uh, Let's see if you put in like $25, $5 bills with different finish times on it, you're obviously going to up your, your chance to win, right? Percentage, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, you should make it even better. Red Just put it, put it on like a roulette table on a number. Yeah. Where the odds are number. like 31 to nothing. Can right? you imagine? Make a million. Yeah. <laughs> or put it like on the, you know, the, uh, where, you know, what do you like to bet the first, uh, 12 or second 12 or whatever how you ever do that so that gives you like uh three to one odds or two to one odds whatever it is instead of even money yeah that's not your you've lost me because i'm not that good at <laughs> i'm already trying to spend the money i'm already trying to I figure know, out how to spend yeah exactly <laughs> richard will, will end up in vegas on sunday yeah he's gonna be there yeah well. no, on the side. i don't think they let me in vegas in. anymore <laughs> not even allowed in that town smart that's smart so this is pretty cool. Now, Blue, you had told me the other day, and uh, you know, just in passing, that you guys once upon a time did it where, what was like sixty-six meters each, something like that. What was it that you were telling me? Yeah, we did. We yeah, six, exactly. Good memory, dude. Sixty-six meter repeats. Um, we had, we actually had a thirty uh, three hundred and thirty-three meter track, in, in Palos Verdes, and it allowed to be split into five segments of sixty-six meters. And with six runners, you basically, we were covering one lap of the track every minute. <clears throat> and, you know, it was, it was, I mean, we were running about four minute per mile pace and, you know, essentially running strides or sprints as long as we could. And we would do, I think, two hour segments of it. And then we would, we would take an hour and we'd split the team in half and we would each run one full lap and, but just with half of the team. So it would give the other half of the team 30 minutes rest every three hours. So we had this full strategy built, but it was mostly designed around these 66 meter repeats. I personally did 335 um, <laughs> sprints. And what ended up happening was we made it eight hours into the race of a 31 hour race. And it, we had lost three athletes by hour eight. We had two pulled hamstrings and one heat stroke. And this is only hour eight. I mean, we're not even halfway through. So it was total carnage. We, we call it the Icarus mission because we flew really close to the sun and we, call, and we fell out of the sky. This, this is a separate event though. Um, it's, yeah, it's similar. It's, it's it the, is run by the Speed Project, but it was called the Speed Project Do-It-Yourself yeah. DIY. And it happened last September. It was a decentralized race. Well, um, it was and it is. So it's, it is. It is yeah. still the Speed Project, but it is the decentralized version of the Speed Project that now happens every year. So this year, that will be September. Mm -hmm. Like, I think uh, the first or second weekend of September. Yeah, yeah. First weekend. So it happens every year as well. So there's the live one that runs from LA to Vegas, and then there's the decentralized version that you can do wherever you're at. Nice. That's the yeah. new buzzword, by the way, decentralized. Decentralized everything. <laughs> Crypto. Thanks, COVID. Crypto. You in your closet. Crypto, baby. <laughs> I like yeah, it. That's right. So, um, the you told me that the solos left this morning. No, um, Monday morning. Yeah. Okay. Like, and actually, uh, David Kilgore was trying to run, I think, in three days, and so now we're at what day? Are we day four? Day three? Monday. Monday Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Math. We're on Math. day four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Day. 
So day um, day four, and uh, it's actually like a, as it always goes with long distance running, it's just they're not quite getting as far as they had hoped to initially. So um, yeah, I think they have about a hundred miles. The the top two runners have somewhere around a hundred miles left before they get to. Vegas. I'd imagine the desert is what's causing that problem. I would imagine you're right. Hundred yeah. what? Hundred five degrees right now, and it's warm. It's warm out there. Unforgiving. That's just nutty. <laughs> That's just it. So do you have anybody that's uh, seeking this out that is like uh, world renowned in their ability to do crazy ass stuff like this? I would say David Kilgore. Yeah, David Kilgore, the, the guy who's leading the solo race right now. He's one of the he's uh, he's an on runner. Um, uh. And yeah, he's one of these crazy ultra always doing just bizarre um, distance and, and pace. And, you know, he's a sub 230 marathoner. Um, but he's also just does, he just pushes himself to, to extremes any way that he can. So he's one of those people for sure. Um, and then when, when it comes to the teams, there's always, a there's always teams that come out of nowhere. They're, they're very secretive. It seems like until they're out there on the course, um, it's part of the strategy. It's part of the strategy. You don't know who's going to show up, right? Like any race. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got some pretty world-class runners coming through, um, from year to year. So it's exciting. We'll see who comes this year. So now the women's teams are are going off at four in the morning. Just slow me down if I screw this up. Is there going to be some kind of live feed? Are you guys going to track this somehow so that if people are curious to see how things are going, they can they can see this or hear this? Yeah. So uh, the Speed Project Instagram is basically the hub for the live version of. Um, of the speed project itself of the race. And so they have a live show every hour on the hour. They have, um, they've got all kinds of different entertainment things going on on course entertainment. They've got hosts. There's actually this old beat up limo. That's kind of the, the chariot of the race, if you will. And it's, it sort of serves as the, as the host, uh, studio for the speed project. So all the characters that, that end up hosting these shows are in this limo. And I mean, this thing is beat to shit. It's out there just in the desert. Vintage. Like, it's nice. Vintage, yeah. So yeah, that that's happening on on the Instagram, and then also Questify is a is a new um, company that basically it, it's a platform for people to raise money in a really cool way for really awesome causes. So through like, their through their superhuman feats of yeah. endurance, things and like athletic challenge. Yeah. Exactly. I like how so you just like made yourself really cool a. Channel. A superhero in that that last comment. Yeah, yeah, right. So we, the superheroes, uh, Girl Lab is actually raising money for Students Run LA. So every woman on the Girl Lab team, eighteen women total, um, will all be pledging their miles towards Student Run Students Run LA. Um, there will be a leaderboard on Questify, so people can track how far we've run, and then people can pledge. Our friends and family can pledge money per mile, all the way up to our goal distance for the weekend. Okay. And Students Run LA, what is that? Students Run LA is a program, it's a nonprofit that empowers students. I think they're mostly middle school and high school students um, and, and matches them with adult mentors and helps them train to run LA Marathon. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. So I, I'm looking at this. Again, I'm going to my cheat sheet, and I see that over the course of this distance, you're going to have about 14,000 feet of elevation gain. Yep. So it's not just a flat road that someone might expect between here and there. <laughs> no. Nope. No, it is not. Yeah. 
And is that <laughs> because you, you have to make your way around the freeway? Or, you know, I'd assume that there's some some things you have to, you know, navigate around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got to get over the mountains north of L.A., one way or the other, whether you go to Santa Clarita or you go up past um, up to Barstow on the 15 area uh, through Victorville, like either way, you've got to get over that mountain range. And then the next one over, there's another range that's between Vegas and um, Baker and Baker. And so it's kind of where Death Valley is. So there's yeah, there's lots of elevation out there that you don't really realize is there <laughs> until you're running until you decide yeah. to run across it. Yep. <laughs> I mean, all things considered, fourteen thousand feet for three hundred miles is actually not. It's not terrible. It's not too crazy. No. Yeah. I mean, I did fourteen thousand feet with my sixty-eight miles. You Super feel that? You right. feel that? One. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how you might. Wow, that's so very... she's basically saying the speed project's no big deal. Walk in the park and like she's just gonna kind of got all these breaks. Check back in with me on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> got all these really bitching breaks. Yeah, I only can run five yeah, minutes. Yeah. Is it my turn again? Oh, five minutes. Again? 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 My, my longest stretch will be nine miles, I believe, of soft sand. So that'll be fun. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Richard, there was a, a woman one time who, who has, was asked the question, would you compare the Speed Project to a Ragnar race? And ah. she goes, yeah, they, they compare. A lot like lions compared to kittens. <laughs> Well, the, the Ragnar very, races yeah. aren't that long. I mean, they're not 300 miles, for Christ's sake. And you have about, usually you have, though you can have whatever you want in the Speed Project, most people land on about six people. So it's basically half the amount of runners with almost twice the distance. So it's it's a lot. I think if I do it, I'm going to have 300 people on my team. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's a smart man. Tag yeah. in every mile. And I'm only going to do the first half mile. And then I'm just going to lay in the truck. And watch. See, it all comes down to Logistics. strategy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. That's that's uh, you know I, I the ingenuity is amazing. So this came together. I remember when you first started talking about doing this blue, and uh, you know, babe in the woods didn't know what was going to happen, and you guys just went out there and hammered it out. Yeah. yeah. What year was that? It was. It's been a while it was back. Two thousand twelve or thirteen, something like that. And uh, really, it was um, my friend Niels was. I met him when I was organizing the Malibu Marathon, which I think, actually, I met you at some random expo back when I was organizing that race. Probably. In Malibu. Yep. Um, but anyway, Niels had this idea. He's like, hey, would you ever want to run to Vegas from LA? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, we could do it like a relay if you have anybody that would do it. I was like, well, I'm not interested unless we're running fast. And so he's like, oh, well, that, that works for me. So I had a team at the time called the LA Speed Project. Um, so essentially we took the members from my running team, we talked them into it and that's sort of where the, the race got its name and yeah, the rest is history. The speed project, you know, you should maybe have everybody go to Vegas with like $500 cash in their pocket, go to like a crap table or something and they have one hour to either make or break. And then whatever chips that they come home with, they just put them in their pocket and turn around and run back. <laughs> so you can call like the See? speed gamble or, uh, or I don't know, maybe get sponsors from the casinos or something. I don't know. Yeah. How to, how to, how to lose your money 
in the speed project as quickly as possible. <laughs> well, it is funny, like seeing at the pool party, you see all of these, like a typical Vegas pool party, you know, the, all the characters that are, you yeah. know, what you would imagine. And then you see these 300 athletes that are, that just look so out, out of place. It's, it's quite the uh, contrast. At the Feet all swollen up and bleeding and, you know, yeah. not wanting to move to get their own drink. Uh, but, but people still are surprisingly a spry. For yeah, after a couple of drinks and sometimes the pool. Yeah, it's like yeah. the shock doesn't come in until like 42 hours later, right? Yeah, yep. Dom's the late onset. I'm curious to hear your um, your take on what the the idea of running for a day and a half, depending on how long your your um, team is taking to run this. I always felt like we were able to basically run anaerobic intervals the entire time. So when I was running it, we would do roughly 66 miles each and it was all anaerobic. I mean, we were hammering every single time we got out, out the door. So I was just curious to hear your perspective on like how that's possible. Like what, just your thoughts on that. Well, I think it's very possible for the, obviously you've proven it, right? So yeah. it's evidence-based at this point in time, but realize that this, when you talk about being anaerobic for that length of time and having a recovery period in between each interval, you have plenty of time for that lactate to leave those muscles. And if you're feeding, you're going to put back the carbohydrate that you're losing, which created the lactate to begin with. So from a metabolic perspective, it should not be a problem. Now, the downside is that going that hard that many times is going to take its toll on the musculature. You're going to start noticing there's going to be some you know, microscopic damage and like you suggested when you were doing these uh, 66 meter repeats that guys were pulling their hamstrings and what have you, that's the real problem. It's not really a function of a metabolic challenge. It's more kind of a muscular endurance challenge, I think. Interesting, yeah. yeah. And, and I think we always thought of it as the other way around. We were always thinking like, oh yeah, it's just an energetic situation. you know. And obviously you've got to keep eating and keep fueling, but you're right. I mean, what, what was always the, the problem was when people just, the muscle functions are just shut down and people just couldn't move. Yep. <laughs> they had the energy. They were awake. Yeah. Well, they, and, like, you know, yeah. and again, that's, it sounds like the segue into training the dark side. You start thinking about everybody's always kind of avoided anaerobic metabolism because they just assume that that's taboo and you get there and, you know, the soreness you're going to have two, three days later is going to be because of the lactate production and you know all those idiotic old school thought processes <laughs> yes um, so but really you know you throw it's it's a function of transferring energy if you if you go into your sugar stores hard you stay there for a while you're going to produce a buttload of lactate and then it's just a matter of what your body does with it if you're able to dispel it great if you're able to reconstitute it and use it as energy better but after that break you should be ready to rock again from an energetic perspective and, and meaning available energy, not so much that you're just raring to go again because <laughs> you may not yeah, be yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that the whole concept of like the run flow, you know, method with the, the dark side training is I, I wish I had discovered, or you had written that book before or while I was training for the speed project. Cause I don't really want to run the race again because <laughs> yeah. it's gnarly. <laughs> But it would be really what awesome to go about? into the race. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be cool to go into the race having had a training cycle using the flow training like that because it's 
it just is almost like perfectly built for it. I mean, but to that point, that the that training is almost perfectly built for all running. Yeah. You know? I mean, I've been I've been using it for about I guess I'm on. I've been doing about three and a half weeks. Oh really? You didn't, see, now I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I took off a little bit of time after the the backbone trail stint. Um, but yeah, the last three and a half weeks I've been using the dark side method. So how's it working out? It's been great. I think the first few weeks, the first week and a half, um, I found that I was questioning life. I, I was questioning Me. That, <laughs> that, no, it, it wasn't that so much. It, it was more just finding the ability within myself to, to give myself grace when I needed to adjust my expectations and then learn how to approach my workout with a more fluid mindset. I, I think that that was the most challenging part for me. And yeah. then once I hit that and once I had that realization that I could give myself that space and really start to listen to what my body needed at that time, I found a lot of success with it over the last week and a half. And that's yeah, exactly that's the, that's the secret. Yeah, that's exactly what I hope for with people is that, you know, we talked about this a bunch of different times is people look at these workouts that I posted in the book and they assume that they need to write this down somewhere and just follow it verbatim and do exactly what it, you know, and that I'm like, you're missing the point. You're missing the whole point. Yeah. You have to have a relationship with your body. You have to have the opportunity to give some credit to those sensations that you're having rather than yeah. assuming that, well, well, you know, it says on the thing that I got to do this for five more minutes. So even though my body is screaming to slow down or stop, no, I got two more minutes, I got to do this. Or when your body's screaming to go and you're saying, eh, no, I'm not supposed to do that yet. You're not paying attention. Yeah. I like how you said that you developed this kinship with your entire spectrum, you know, of energy systems and oh yeah, and intensities. And it's so true. You just like, you stop, you no longer fear like the feeling of going hard or, or pushing or, you know, or like hammering up a hill. It's sort of like, you just sort of expect it. It's like, yeah, it's going to be a part of my day, but it's also the more you do, the more you realize that you're recovering much faster. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I think kinship is always popping in my head when I'm doing these flows. It's like, yeah, yeah this is, this is awesome. And for both Blue and I, we, we have been, I would say, avoiding anaerobic training, speed training, anything beyond, you know, recovery miles, easy miles, and the occasional, you know, push for the last, what, year, maybe? Um, so for both Blue and I, I think we've really been enjoying the conversations and honestly, all of our athletes as well, just oh, cool. connecting over how, how much less fear we have around anaerobic training and comfort we have with our, with our bodies and our minds, knowing that we're capable of pushing at any given moment, but also giving ourselves the grace and, you know, fluidity to respond or run. React. Within, yeah, yeah. Re react to what, what is needed at the moment. And it's also more fun, which yeah, is like, way more you fun. wouldn't expect, <laughs> I didn't expect that at all, but I, I'm having so much more fun. And I started to think about different sports and like playing soccer or basketball. And imagine you met your buddies for like a basketball game. And you're like, hey, you guys, let's play basketball today, but let's just jog easy the whole time. Let's like not really like yeah. ever go hard. And be like, what? Dude, go yeah. home and sit on the couch. What are you yeah. talking about? So it's like with running though, it's the majority of your, your time spent running is like is supposed to be easy or moderate, you know, like basically the boring parts of it. So it, in essence, like you just have taken out all of like 
the more boring parts of the sport. You know, you're feeding it in on every day, so the percentage is the same. But it's it's like you you always get to have fun. You always get to flex. You get to go fast. You get to run hard. You get to do all like the, you know, exciting stuff. I uh, I look at this and um, someone that may look over my shoulder at it might assume, well, yeah, all you're doing is just perceptive training rather than using science, which people have been beating us over the head with for the past 20 <laughs> years, that we need to worry about our heart rate and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, here I am, a heart rate guy. I mean, obviously, I've been doing diagnostics on athletes for too long to talk about and writing script for people for also too long to talk about. And me coming full circle and saying, well, you know what? You need to let your body start talking to you. You need to start responding to what your body's telling you. But at the same token, you should at least have some bearing on what's occurring relative to the intensity that you're throwing out there because there should be a schematic. There should be a sense of design. If I'm going long, if I'm going to compete like in a marathon distance, uh, whatever event it might be, whether it be just a straight up marathon or whether I'm doing a trail race or whether I'm doing an obstacle course race, whatever, I need to have a, a respect for the energy availability. I need to have respect for how my training should lay down over the course of days, weeks, months. And I should make sure that I parcel out the intensity so that I'm getting the most progression in my training as possible. So we've melted the science with the perception and turned it into this flow cycle mentality that I think is just a, ugh, my God, I, I think it's good. We talked about this before we went live. I think that there's potential for this, even though it's something I designed, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be basically a big, big shift in the running and training community. 100%. I think run flow is going to be a movement. Yeah. You know, and we've seen it with a small number of people that, that have been exposed to it already. This sort of, we've all sort of become obsessed with it, you know, because it, A, the way you feel. And I'm glad you connected the dots with the perception and like this sort of idea that you're just like going with the flow. It's like, okay, yeah, that sounds great, but how does that connect to your racing? I'm glad that you touched on that because that's, you know, it's, it's not to say that there's no place for those those moments when you need to understand, you know, your gears relative to what your goal is. But you definitely don't need to always be thinking about running as 10 by 1K and two-minute recoveries that, you know, you know, it's just, well, it changes the, your relationship with how you think about it. Yeah, it's almost a balance of controlling the, the workload and the variables, but then allowing this freedom and fluidity with when and where and how you implement that, that I think is so powerful. Yeah. Cool. So now I want to, I know that this is kind of early, but I, I still want to tease the fact that you guys produced a program that is going to reside in an app that is going to provide those that are involved in the application to wake up in the morning and their day is going to lay out for them. And there's going to be an inclusion of these flow principles in the training. Cassidy, since you are the chief executive officer of this project, <laughs> um, I would love for you to kind of lay out your vision of what this is supposed to be and how people would benefit from it. Yes. Uh, Guru Running is an app that we've created to help guide runners and really any athlete that runs 
to not only become a better runner, but also live their best lives through a holistic approach of run flow training, strength training, mindset is a huge piece, nutrition support, um, a community feed to stay connected with each other, empower each other, and get excited about what they're doing. My understanding is that Guru is now in beta. So there are people that are test marketing. I know this because I am in the beta program. <laughs> But uh, I've seen it. Let me just give you my take on what I'm seeing here. So as a consumer, I open up the app and then there's a series of journeys and circumstance that I can engage in. I can elect to engage in. So it could be well, a fun. I got to stop you right there, Richard. Yep. <laughs> so, um, you know, the cool thing about beta and testing and, and having feedback from people like yourself is we get to see what's working, what's not. And I think a lot of the initial ideas that we had around how we're presenting running, we've always wanted to, to deliver it in a new way. And what we found was we, we weren't actually doing that. We were like, we were keeping pulled into these traditional models. Like let's create a training journey for people. Well, that's just a training plan. And you know, we really want to be true to this concept of flow and staying in the moment. And so we, we've done away completely, completely with the concept of, presenting an entire training plan or journey to somebody and keeping them really focused on the day. So every day, no matter who you are, you come in the Guru app and you're presented with the daily flow. Everybody universally is doing the same flow on the same day. There's always going to be a time for specificity. So you can always upgrade and get marathon specific when it's time. But the reality is the majority of your either your base training or just general training for any athlete, any runner, it looks a lot the same. You're spending some time in the anaerobic, you're spending some time hitting the VO2 max, but mostly you're, you're building your aerobic capacity. Those ingredients are the same, right? I mean, this is all coming from you, Richard, right? Right. Um, but it's, so the idea is like that, that in essence is scalable. It's, it's appropriate for everyone. So Guru provides the daily run flow. Um, and it allows everybody to kind of be doing the same thing at the same time. And then it, it also allows people to connect with each other, as Cassidy mentioned, through that community feed um, and, and share their experience and sort of like, you know, learn from each other as they're going through it. Yeah. Users will have some, they'll, they'll have three different options in the initial phase um, that will be basically time-based. So for a newer athlete or even someone who just doesn't have quite as much time that day, there might be a 20-minute flow option. There might also be... 40 minute flow option and a 60 minute flow option but the ratios and the general workout look will be about the same across the board and we found that there's a lot of power and energy in doing the same workout wherever you are whoever you are across the board on on that day and so i, I think that's going to be another incentive and motivator to keep showing up to keep checking in to invest in yourself and to challenge yourself to see you know how consistent can you be what are other people doing um, it just it just adds this whole other layer of dynamic engagement. What you haven't discussed or brought to light is that there are some audio components for guidance, and I'm assuming that's going to stay after beta. <laughs> but the yeah, I, yes, the, we're excited about that part. Yeah, yeah. The idea being that you could uh, potentially have Blue guide you through the particular flow workout and set you up for what you're planning to do, and kind of guide you through where you might want to be space and time and then it's fortified with some very entertaining music that is is written very specifically for that piece it's like i don't want to say this but i almost feel like i got to 
it's like in spinning classes back in the day, you know, as a spinning instructor, I would conduct a class where I had already scheduled how the class is going to unroll. And then I would write music or I, I wouldn't write the music, but I would I would choreograph the music relative to the tempo that was, you know, in a particular song that meld really well with a hill climb or a higher intensity, more aggressive pace, and then a more casual pace. So the music is going to kind of marry with the intent for the given workout. Is that fair? Yeah, that's, and you know, these are all like tools that can enhance someone's experience through running. Um, and I think the cool thing about the concept of guru and the way it connects with and uses the method of run flow from, you know, training the dark side is that regardless of how many times in a given week, in a given month, in a given year that somebody chooses to go for a run, no matter what, it could be once a week. Every time that they visit their run, they're going to get to have this full comprehensive running experience, you know, and as opposed to like traditional training, you have easy days and you have workout days and you have long days and it's so segregated that what people gravitate toward is typically the speed run. But if that's the only run you've done, then the amount of, of high intensity workload relative to the other ingredients is way too high. So these people are burning out and they're not getting near enough aerobic conditioning. So I think the cool thing about this concept is maybe you run once a week, maybe it's three times a week, but no matter how much you're running, maybe it's seven times a week. Regardless of that, the ratios are always correct and it actually will benefit you for becoming a more fit, robust, you know, a comprehensive prepared runner. So yeah. there's nothing like that versatility. That's like <laughs> yeah. it's the ultimate gift as an athlete. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, look at a boxer, you know, same kind of thing. It's like, there's guys that are thinking, I'm going to try to knock this guy out in the first round. It didn't go well. And the guy carries him out late. And, yeah. you know, he's no longer got the juice he was hoping for because he put all his nuts in one basket and hoped for it to all shake out in the first round. And the versatility, as you suggested, I think it's a good term for it, is what comes from challenging yourself in these various aspects of the energy system, pace, intensity, and basically teaching yourself to respond to whatever the challenge might be at whenever it might come about. So that's very cool stuff. Yeah, so, and the recovery too, like I've noticed in the last six weeks, I've been doing the flow. It's The recovery has just gone through the roof. I mean, I can do some pretty crazy VO2 max stuff and my recovery is so much faster and it's it's really surprising. <laughs> and that's been the case for you, Cassidy. I see I don't get to hear from you that much. I Blue's been telling me that you know what know. is tell me to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I no. can change that. No problem. Um yeah, I I've found the same. I've also found that initially I maybe didn't feel quite as confident going into the anaerobic intervals or I didn't know what to expect. And now I know that they're going to happen. I don't exactly know when. I don't maybe even know how long they're going to be. I don't know how I feel on a given day. Um, but I know that I'm going to go there, and I'm not afraid of it anymore. And like Blue was just saying, I also recover quite a bit faster. Um, and just thinking about all of the different things we do in life, you know, maybe you're training for a 5K or a 10K or a marathon, even an ultra race, there are moments where you will be hitting all of these different, you know, you'll be hitting your VO2 max for a minute, maybe longer, you'll be going anaerobic, you'll be aerobic for, you know, a varying length of time. And I think having this, this adaptability and the confidence to respond to that, and knowing that you can sustain it, and then come back and go back to it again, I think is really, really, really empowering. And that's what I've found. Um, that's been the most rewarding part of the process for me. Very so cool. 
Well, there's a couple things that we need to, at this point in time, bring to light. A, Guru Running and the Guru app is in beta. It's going to be available soon. And you're obviously going to start promoting it. It's going to start showing up on social media and things like this. I want people to pay attention to that. I don't think we're ready to provide a link or uh, a website just yet, are we? Nope, but coming soon, this summer, it right. will be available on the App Store. Okay, and we'll talk about it again as soon as available. And then the other thing is, yes, we're talking about this book, and those of you that maybe are not keen on this guy that wrote this book or how to find it, if you go to my website, which is diazhumanperformance.com, you get access to it. Now, you know, we talked about this too. We talked about a lot of things, but we talked about this too, is that the book serves basically as a hub for a lot of different approaches to training. So for example, once you grasp the concepts of training the dark side, I have templates that we created. And again, they're guides. They're not like, you know, follow the dots for a marathon, for a high rocks training program, even for a CrossFit program and an OCR program. So it's universally, what am I trying to say? Scalable, right? It's universally scalable for any type of an event that you're trying to compete in because it just prepares you. It prepares your energy system. It develops your body in such a way that in a moment's notice, you're ready to rock, whatever it might be. Long, short, hard, easy. You're ready to go. It's the best book written in the sport of running since Once a Runner. Since which one? Once a runner? Once a runner, which is it's a, a fictional story. So I didn't even know about. Is that a good book? Yeah, actually, Once a Runner. Yeah, it's a it's a classic. Um, it's about Quentin Cassidy, a runner in Florida. That's a university runner, going after a world class uh, like sub four minute mile. Great story, great read. Uh, it's a uh, John Parker, John L. Parker is the author. Um, there's actually a, a follow up called um, Again to Carthage that I think he wrote like 20 years later or something. And it's about Quentin Cassidy, now 30 years old, going after the marathon. And that, they're amazing reads. I'm not sure that he's written more than those books. I don't know a lot about the author, but yeah, definite home runs on both of them. So The Train the Dark Side, Richard, thank you for writing that book. It's changed our lives. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a movement, man. I'm looking forward to seeing Guru Project roll out. Uh, I, as I suggested, I am on the beta program, so I've been seeing progress and changes and shifts here and there. And, you know, we've discussed some thoughts about how it might be better and more readily acceptable. And uh, I'm excited for it. So anyway, guys, Cassidy, by the way, good luck this weekend. I don't <laughs> think I think, you know, I, I've always said that chance favors the prepared mind. I don't think it's a function of luck. You're just going to go do what you do because you're capable of it. Yeah, that is exactly how I feel. I am calm. I am ready for whatever. I'm ready to adapt. And I'm ready to run hard. I think you should run yeah. most of it. Just, well, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's a team experience, so I think that'll be one of the coolest parts. Yeah. There's a Cassidy, it's not your turn anymore. Right? <laughs> Get in the RV. Get back in. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. Thank you for having us. having us, Richard. You bet.